everybody. Welcome to episode 61 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I'm one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, Mr. Paul Robinson. Today is a very exciting day. We nabbed ourselves a guest again. We did. We did. It's Someone else agreed weeks. to be on this show. Yeah. Suckers. <laughs> Um, so uh, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Um, I, oh, I'm, my name's Jeremy Kelly Backer. Um, I am uh, one of the company directors of We Made a Thing Studios, and we, alongside, oh, I won't introduce him. He can introduce himself. Um, but we just finished up a web series um, called Lucy and Dick, and for that, I was predominantly the director and visual effects supervisor. Nice. And. I'm Tom Phillips, uh, writer and producer, also co-founder of uh, We Made a Thing with Jeremy here. Um, and, yeah, we're just super pumped to release this web series, which we've sort of been, I'd say, the better part of a year it yeah. took us to make. So really excited just, like, at at what we launched, like, two, three days ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exciting and, I guess, um, relaxing times, like all that build-up to a release. And yeah. it feels like the pressure valve has sort of gone off a little bit, which is lovely. Yeah. So. <laughs> Very nice. Now, I just want to comment, first of all, I think sure. your production studio's name is awesome. Yes. Oh, thank like, you, you know, like you already know, like <laughs> I, I, we, we have such, you know, we have Send3 production, which is just something that Paul's had, like before we even met, he had that. We go back and forth about whether mm-hmm. I'm going to change it or not, because it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. But the thing was that, we there's a band that took Send Three mm-hmm. after we were Send Three, and yeah. then another production company took Send Three. Well, you need to, so need it was to like them. This is, yeah. Uh, yes. Well, it's more a marketing. Well, company, yeah, I we think, like, yeah, yeah, like, but it's it's just still like, oh come on, you know. So we were we were gonna kind of melt all of the you know the Go Gorilla into everything since yeah, yeah. we kind of do Gorilla. But I was like, we made a thing that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> It's really good. Came about. um, So I I was doing a lot of um, uh, teaching for one of the universities in uh, in in Adelaide and um, here in little South Australia, and uh, and we'd also done a couple of sort of independent productions as well. And to my students and also to you know everyone we're working with, every time we were sort of coming close to wrapping up a production, I was sort of going like, guys, check it out. You made a thing. There wasn't a thing before. And now there is a thing. You should all be very, <laughs> you should all be very proud of the thing that you just made. Um, and um, at, we, we we were bouncing around all manner of sort of like company ideas and in terms of names and all, either a little bit self serious or a little bit I don't know. We weren't vibing on any of them. And then I think it was Tom who was just like, "Why don't we call it this?" And it just felt sincere to what we like to do and how we're not too prescriptive to what we're doing or how we're doing it, so long as we're doing it well. And, um, yeah, so I, I think it sort of, yeah, it, it felt, it felt right to, to us and our attitudes surrounding what we do. So yeah, it's a bit of an innocence and a weirdness to it. So yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, it's not some kind of like pretentious, you know, kind of thing. It's, it's, yeah, it's great. It's, it just lets you know, like these people are on the level. Absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes you see like, you see a, a, a studio name and it's like, what's it called? One, two, three. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we did. Hope you didn't add, hurt yourself I, thinking of that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we did actually go around a couple of number-based names yeah. as well, but like Jeremy said, like we went around and around in circles on it, and we made a thing. Just felt like, but it was also it kind of encapsulated what we were doing at the time. Like it was, we were very focused on rather than, I guess, rather than going out and getting funding, it was about trying to 
to make small proof of concepts to prove that we could execute, um, I guess, mm-hmm. the, the high concept kind of weird ideas that we wanted to do. So it really encapsulated, I guess, the mantra of what not just us but a couple of other filmmakers that we sort of work with have really sort of taken on because, I mean, as you guys know, it's, it's really tough to go around and, you know, try and get money to fund something. Um, yeah. And <laughs> people people don't like looking at or, like, they don't, have time to read a script they don't want to read a one pager but yeah. if you send them a two minute clip that shows that you can execute um they're more willing to take a meeting yeah, yeah that's yeah. sort of what yeah. we found it, yeah. also, it also suits my favorite buzzword at the moment which is platform agnostic oh what are you we're platform <laughs> agnostic. <laughs> so um you so you guys had so you made a a, a web series uh lucy and dick right yeah mm-hmm. And uh, so we've seen, it's two episodes, right? So far that are up? So, um, yeah, there'll be eight episodes all up. Um, We've released episodes one and two as of Wednesday, and they've been been going quite well. And then we also have our earlier Lucy and Dick episodes up on our YouTube and at lucyanddick.com. And, (laughs) and, um, (laughs) uh, yeah, so we, we, we started the show originally with this, like, three and a half minute concept pilot episode that we were really just hashing out the processes and that character at the time and so it was a really steep learning curve as we we're putting that one together um and then we did another two little episodes sort of um before we sort of got funded for this big series and those were sort of i think what four and a half minutes and two and yeah, a half minutes that. respectively so real real quick shot kind of mini eps um, but those were kind of our, our training ground for then executing a full-blown uh, – come, comes to like an hour and 15 now. Yeah. I don't know. I think we're 100 seconds off qualifying as a, as, as a feature film, so we need to find oh. 100 uh. seconds. Yeah, you just, you know, you, you roll the credits real slow. Yeah, really yeah, slow. That, that, was my first, that was my first night. It was just like, we'll just roll the credits slower. Mm, mm. We'll get that 100 seconds. Because, yeah, um, yeah as, as, essentially when we went into making this season, it was eight – seven and a half to ten minute chapters but we also made it in a a keeping dual format in mind we wanted to screen it as uh i guess a full-length thing and that was generally going to be about 60 minutes but when you add we did a couple of little marketing interstitials as well when you add those into it um it sort of came out at about an hour and 14 minutes and that's what we sort of played at the premiere which is really funny because i think that you know in terms of watching it, I think it's it is the best way to watch it as yeah, a whole. Yeah, it's, um, it's my favorite way to watch it now. Like now, now that we've seen it all stitched together, I'm like, oh, this is actually this is a quite a coherent narrative, and and that's what a lot of people were saying. They're like, oh, it really came together. I'm like, it did, it did. <laughs> trying, trying not to sound too surprised, I bet you know you're very much the architect of of, of that sort of overarching narrative and. It, it I was happy with how it turned out. <laughs> so yeah, we yeah. made we made so, it accidental feature. Yeah, accidental feature. So you're saying you should wait till it's all out and then just binge it through as if it was a feature. Well, yeah, I think it does work episodically, <laughs> but there's there's something about I guess binging it because I, I guess it's not like binging a Game of Thrones series, which is going to take you ten hours. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's a short feature, so I guess binging it. I, I mean. Yeah. yeah, it's over pretty quickly, well, even if you binge it that way. We, so, we, my favorite part of the series that we just made, we made these things called the Couch Times, um, and uh, we wanted just some additional bits of content to build the world and the, the characters. And it's um, these little three shot 
segments of the two characters sitting on the couch. So it's this girl and her robot, and this robot is this uh, incredibly, you know, just like foul-mouthed, laconic sort of character who's um, who is adorable. Like he looks like sort of Wally or something like that, um, mm. but he's just yeah. got this sort of voiced by the impeccable Aussie Man reviews, who's just hilarious. Mm. And um, by doing these little couch time episodes, um, that was the one day we got um, uh, Aussie Man out on set. And so he and Lucy were just riffing like crazy. Um, And uh, we came out with these um, little 45-second grabs of them just doing bits and pieces throughout their day, like little slices of life. And um, we edited edited those in between the episodes. And by popping them in between episodes, the sense of passage of time that suddenly entered into the edit that you're like, oh, this is actually starting to feel like it's taking over the course of like three months, which it's supposed to. It's, it was really, mm-hmm. it's really quite lovely. Yeah. What is the, the, um, cause obviously the robot is uh, Ozzy man, which uh, a lot of people, you know, that man's voice <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the, the actress in the, in, in this, what is her name? Uh, Lucy Gransbury. Um, she's okay. actually originally from, I guess, our city here in Adelaide, but she's lived in Melbourne. Um, actress comedian um she's an absolute superstar she does the the fringe festival a lot um and she sort of sells out shows there but um she's someone we've known for a very long time and just always wanted to work with um and this that first Lucy and Dick provided us uh, a really small window of opportunity because she was over in Adelaide for a wedding I think it was and uh, we basically said um, she's going to have to go back on go back to Melbourne on Tuesday. We'll fly her back if she comes out and shoots something with us on Monday. We'd only written, um, written the script like five days before. We, yeah. caught, we got we got this thing, Lucy. Can you stay in town just for an extra day so we can <laughs> shoot it? And, and so yeah, turnaround's yeah. crazy. But she brings so much to it. I mean, she's she's acting opposite nothing. Like that's like right. Yeah, there mm-hmm. is nothing on set. I mean. Jeremy's feeding lines um, from, I guess, behind the camera and I guess doing his best to provide, you know, rhythm and pace and stuff like that. But really in terms of, I I guess, her focal point, um, especially eye lines and things like that, um, Mm -hmm. that's that's all her. And she sort of just get she got into a rhythm like by the end of it, she's now sort of done it for a while. Um, and, and she almost does it instinctively now. When we're in the, when we're in the apartment, she's effectively running a, a one woman show, which is a uh, very entertaining. Right. Place, so. Yeah. It's the first thing I thought, like, uh, you know, when, when we were watching, we were watching the episodes as an actor myself, I'm thinking like, how do you, you know, play that off convincingly when nothing is there? Yeah. You know, I've never, I've never done something like mm-hmm. that. So I don't know. Uh, I, I assume it's not the easiest thing to do, but it does you know, there was never a point where I was like, I don't really believe that that thing's not there. You oh, know, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, that's you, you feel too, yeah. like it's he's there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he's he's adorable, but he's also foul mouthed. And it's like he's he's yeah, he's like yeah. he's like a, an R rated Wally yeah. <laughs> with a heart of gold, with a heart of gold. <laughs> and um, the, I mean, the first thing I, I think I had originally seen this on Ozzy Man's page. Yeah, I think he put it up. And um, I was like, oh, what's this? And, you know, then I started going, I went on the, on your YouTube and stuff and started to see that. And then we saw the episodes when they came out. And uh, the first thing he had said was like, oh, they did pretty good with that robot. Because, you know, usually you see that on something lower budget and you're like, mm. 
I don't know. Yeah. He's like, they actually did really good with that robot. He's like, what is that? I was like, oh, it's the Aussie man guy. I was like, yeah, I guess he voiced this robot and stuff. And so we had watched um, the episodes and it's just really, just really realistic. I just thought you guys did, not just because you're on the show, because if it was bad, we wouldn't be talking to you right, right. now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes me feel so yeah. good. That's lovely to hear. Um, Aren't I sweet? Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty um, judgmental when it comes to that stuff <laughs> yeah. because I, I kind of work in that same industry. I do motion graphics and visual effects as well. So I, um, I get really like, he's a stickler. I am a stickler. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, and, I'm, and that's not like I could do something better, but I just like kind of know what goes into making all that sort of stuff. So I can kind of see a lot of the seams and a lot of stuff. And uh, I thought it was pretty flawless. Yeah, well, I mean, we watched your we watched your Neptune short, and I was sort of like, we were going like, oh, look at all the the particle effects coming off the creature. That's <laughs> yeah, we amazing. got excited we about did. that. We got too, really so. really stoked. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm immensely that was m- months of months of persnickety. Where I basically it was like... made that like three times over. Yeah, because yeah. I built it all, and then I was like, and then I got X particles, and I learned yeah. that, and I built that out, yeah. and then. What do you think of this? I'm like, I don't like the way the dirt falls off the leg. We got. It's yeah. like, no, this doesn't look right. We just got it, and then it just keeps Start going again. Yeah, and I still need more time, but I just it's it's that whole thing of like you got to just it's all right. It's it's good enough. Just put it out. <laughs> Fine. No, I, I know. All I, I, know all I see, all I see is mistakes everywhere. <laughs> Well, we we threw Lucy and Dick up on the the big screen the other night. Mm. Um, so like getting to see in a cinema with a full audience, and I think that was the first time I'd seen the visual effects that we had done, um, you know, blown up so large. And I was got to admit, I was absolutely stoked at how well it held up on a cinema screen. Um, so with with that character, so my background is um, doing quite sort of high end visual effects. Um, I worked as a compositor for years, so I was working on sort of like the Harry Potter films, did some of the Marvel stuff. Oh, nice. Um, and sort of bounced around. But uh, during that whole period, um, I made an, as much of an effort as I could to not totally specialise because I knew that at some point in time I wanted to sort of pull the trigger on making our own stuff. And we always had one foot in the indie space and I'd sort of do some studio work and then go sort of do some scrappier stuff and then do some more studio work and I'd always kept wanting to get back to just being in a, being in a, in a world where your contribution really meant something. Um because when you're working on the big studio stuff, um, as, as sort of fun and interesting and rewarding as it is, you're very much a small cog in an, in an enormous machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so your, ch- your opportunity to really get your fingerprints on something to be able to go that I meaningfully contributed to this, um, it, it's, it's a little bit sort of uh, smoothed over by the, the hugely iterative process and the thousands of people who are working on it. Um, so uh, after sort of years of doing that, um, I, I just sort of in the back of my mind um, been really, really nailing down the whole workflow, like the entire sort of um, visual effects pipeline from start to finish. And I was reaching a point where I'm like, you know what, I think I can pretty confidently execute on this. Um, and it was about finding just a vehicle to to use the tech on. And so I was experimenting with a few little robot things. And what I realized I wanted to do um, was create a character who had the most amount of expression possible with the least allowed amount of manual effort. And it's mm-hmm. not because we didn't want to sort of do detailed animation. It was just like, uh, if we want to finish product, we need to like shave some steps out of this. Mm-hmm. And um, so started looking at, you know, floating robots. So, uh, you know, looking at all the little background droids and Star Wars and all these other sort of characters, you know, really characterful and still well executed. So, decide okay he's going to run on like a little jetson's logic because people say oh how does he float and i just go oh it's magnets 
Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, he's got his wee little thrusters on the back and then um, stripped him right back down to his two little arms with a, a finger, uh, finger on each, two fingers on each hand, um, his little bunny ears, which allow him to sort of express a little, little bit like a dog. So he's happy, sad, you know, up, down. And then his face is emojis and a screen and the screen... You know, it was very much looking at Eve um, from Wally as a character and going like, oh, there's such a, a beautiful shorthand for communicating her expressions here. We can sort of do something quite similar. And not only that, we've always got his screen as a device to show information on. So mm-hmm. I I'd sort of spent ages doodling this character together and then I sort of didn't have a place for him to go. And Tom and I were catching up to talk about another film that we were uh, working on and about to start making. And I told him, look, I've got this tech down. I know how to build this character. Um, and he was, I was like, but I want to do something that's got a, it's not like just a little schmaltzy short, like maybe something funny, maybe something just, just contained. And he had already written for Lucy quite specifically a little comedy two-hander. Um, you can take it from there if you want. Yeah. Well, well yeah. So I'd, I'd, I'd read a really bad clickbait article that was like, <laughs> I think it was about, uh, what was the, I can't remember the title exactly, but it was like 30 things to do to sci- be scientifically more likable. Um, and of course I clicked on it. Um, and <laughs> I, was, I was in hysterics the whole article because the article itself was extremely self-serious yet every single one of these things, if you did in real life, people would think you're a psycho. Um, <laughs> and it immediately just made me laugh. And like, I, I guess, knowing how sort of big clickbait and bad information on the internet is at at times, even from fairly reputable sources, um, I thought it was quite a funny concept. So I, I wrote that initial sort of two-hander with Lucy and essentially it was just a flatmate and it was always a cute little short, but um, it didn't have that hook. And then Jeremy sort of, yeah, it was probably about, you know, six months later and Jeremy goes, I want to do a talking robot. And we'd both been listening to Aussie Man reviews at the time. We we're like, that actually becomes really funny if if the person she's bouncing off, the two-hander, is a talking robot like with Aussie Man's voice. We sort of talked about it being our shitty Black Mirror episode. Yeah. We we're like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> like, it's, we, the, the word that kept coming up, we just kept referring to it as like a feedback loop of stupidity yeah. where, you know, <laughs> our, our devices are just regurgitating the information that we want them to and thus, like, you know, again, you've got access to all the world's information on your phone, but we'll still just look at cat pics and listicles. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and we're like, well, what if, you know, and, you know, like Alexa and Siri and stuff were becoming a lot more um, prevalent and we're like, okay, well, let's expand and extrapolate on this, but what happens when your technology is no more intelligent or engaged as you are and it's sort of this sort of uh, toxic kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, when, you know. Codependency. Yeah, codependency. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and then that just, it really unfurled from there. I think within the space of about 15 minutes just on your porch, we'd bounce the idea back and forth. We'd made each other laugh a couple of times, which is always a good litmus test. Mm-hmm. And um, I hopped on my bike, rode home, called you up. I'm like, oh, I think I know what the punchline is. The other guy's got a robot too and he's been doing exactly the same thing and everyone's stupid. Um, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it sort of just kicked off from there. We're shooting five days later um, and really just sort of hashing that visual effects process together as we went um, and trying to strip it down to the most lean version possible. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So, um What's the what was the like production schedule like? You guys seem to be like kind of 
like fast paced. You know, you think of the idea you're shooting five days later. So when it comes to shooting the episodes, yeah, yeah, because I would be having a stroke. How yeah. do you yeah. like how did you well, do when that? It, when it came to like the first season, we we really we were fairly quick again. Like we basically got we got announced, we got greenlit for the funding, um, and we were shooting the first block, so the first two chapters within a week. It was like because five days later because be, we were playing sort of chicken with the funding bodies as to whether yeah. or not are we going, are we not, and we had like a very specific deadline just because of one of the people who come to the party, uh, Adelaide Film Festival. We had to deliver contractually two episodes to the Adelaide Film yeah. Festival. And so very much sort of there's an absolute cutoff date at which it was no longer feasible to be able to yeah. start production and we wouldn't be able to deliver mm. And so at the sort of 11th hour, um, and again, we, we'd sort of gone through these funding bodies incredibly yep. quickly. So it's like no one's fault at all, but sort of they finally said, yes, gave us a thumbs up. And we had, I think, five days of pre-production. If and that. Then, if that, if maybe. That. And we're sort of building, yeah. our, building our post-production facility at the same time. But, yeah, so what we, <laughs> what we could do, though, those first two chapters are a little bit more insular as well. So we knew that, like, it wasn't involving as many characters, sort of one location. So we knew we could, from a production perspective, go in there and knock off those two chapters really quickly. Um, But we then needed to leave essentially, what was it, four weeks of post-production on those first two chapters while we were prepping the next block of six Six. chapters to shoot. (laughs) And basically as soon as we handed over those first two, we Do you only went have four weeks of post production. Four yeah, weeks yeah. on f- on the first wow. two, um, and then we had about I think it was about three three months after that mm, mm. Um, when we shot the second block of six. So it was basically a half a week shoot and then a two week shoot split, um, and we didn't really get any pre production for either. No, so that was fun. No. Well, and, and um, well, luckily it, it was something that you guys kind of had been bouncing around and yeah. messing around with a little bit. Well, the if good, not for that, then exactly. <laughs> and I think the, the other thing, like Lucy, Lucy had played this character before as well. So she, she knew her character pretty well. So we've sort of, you know, I'm on set, Jeremy's on set, Lucy's on set. And therefore from a character perspective that like you can, you can move pretty quickly and everyone has a really good understanding of story. Mm-hmm. So if something isn't sort of working, we can sort of hash that out on, on the day. Um, mm-hmm. And, but yeah, it was a, a fairly rushed schedule. Um, but you know what? Like that's, that's sort of, I mean, it puts a little bit of stress on us, but I think, you know, it, it forces you to do it um, and mm-hmm. not overthink it. And I think that's mm-hmm. something yep. that's been, that's worked quite well for us. Um, you know, we still got like, we'd still planned out the, the episodes. So we knew the outline, um, before shooting. Um, so that was good. And we had, we had all the scripts at that stage. So we did have some form, uh, like we're not just kind of going, well, what are we shooting today? Yeah, What's happening? Right, right. <laughs> um, I think we're still writing scripts on our second block as we were getting towards the, the, yeah, the first two scripts were locked down. So then that, yeah, it, it was stressful, <laughs> but um, it, it was a pretty good way to work. And I think, like I said, I mean, we we sort of have worked with our crew for a while too, mm, so mm, we mm. can really lean lean on them during yeah. the day. Um, when if anything goes wrong, I mean, we've got you know five hands 
we're ready to go up to help solve those problems really quickly. Um, yeah. And we have that sort of shorthand, which is um, an absolute blessing to have on set. So, yeah. Yeah. And deadlines are a great motivi- motivator. You know, if, if even if, you know, we're working on something that we don't really have, like we're just doing it for ourselves, putting in that artificial deadline really kind of forces you to to move on or, you know, it, it, it motivates you to get something done to move on to the next stage. Because, you know, as most artists know, if you give them three months to tinker with something, they'll spend three months tinkering yeah. with something until probably over tinkering with it. But um, I will overthink the crap out of uh, my yeah. script if yeah. you give me enough time. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm someone who likes that pressure, you know, like when we're on set and things are not working, I, lo- I love that. I love yeah. that, like trying to figure out, all right, this light broke. What are we going to do? Or it's not working the way we thought it was going to. How are we going to fix this? You know, I kind of I, I enjoy that problem solving. Oh, the um, the post-production especially, because we had to be hitting, I think, 50 final visual effects shots a fortnight. Um, to hit our episodes, and we had an amazing small team, um, uh, most of whom were sort of all ex-students of mine, actually. So, we again, we had that relationship already, and they were doing wonderful, wonderful things. Um, but the amount of times that people were like, oh, do you think this shot is good enough? And I'm like, oh, we've got to hit X amount of shots by Friday. You know what? Good enough. We're a B-minus organization. <laughs> Acceptable. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, I love that. <laughs> So I was just like, B minus. I mean, if that's everyone. a B minus, then that's that's yeah. even more impressive. <laughs> so, um, so you, so okay, so you have you the two episodes that are up. Those are the, those are the first two chapters. I'm assuming, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and then there and how six many? More. So there were six more total. Okay, yeah. gosh, yeah. that's six more, and we sort of release one per week for the next six weeks. Yeah, and then yeah. we'll be yeah. dotting those little couch time sort of gags in 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 between occasionally, and I think we'll keep a few for afterwards. And then yep. I think once we're all out, it'd be nice to also just pop the whole cinema cut up as well, because I think that again has yeah. become our preferred yeah, way to I watch like the so. cinema cut. Yeah. I'd like to say that I'd wait until everything was out, but I already started it, so I know I'm yeah. going to watch it every week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then maybe I'll watch it again, like just cohesively as yeah, one yeah, thing. Yeah. But. Yeah. yeah that would. So how did you guys like start all this? Like, how'd you guys meet? Um, well, it's, it's funny. We like watching your Neptune short and seeing the creature. I was like, Tom, this is how, this is how we met. It basically is. Um, so, yeah. you made a, you made a poorly, you made a really bad, uh, CG <laughs> we, creature come uh, yeah, no, out of the dirt in your really, backyard. We did make a really bad CG creature. Yeah. That was my fault. Um, no, we, um, so I had already been working on another stu. Uh, this is a decade ago. More, yeah. more maybe. Um, I'd been working on a stupidly ambitious um, uh, short film that we were all make, uh, making with some friends, um, this sort of swashbuckling steampunk action-adventure movie. It ended up winning at the San Diego Comic-Con um, uh, Independent Film Festival back in, like, 2015 or something like that. Um, okay, it could have been that bad. Uh, seriously. <laughs> cool. but, uh, I mean, like, it was, it was stupid ambitious. It was this, like, 30-minute thing. I think it had, like, 375 VFX shots in it or something like that. Still really proud of that one, actually. But the um, while we were making that and in post-production, uh, Tom was making a um, sort of like a, a, a sci-fi horror thriller, sort of um, like a love letter to Predator and Aliens and things mm. like that. And they were looking for a VFX guy. And so, um, I mean, this is the way I tell the story, at least. Uh, I had been <laughs> up pretty much all night, um, like, rendering and working on things and tinkering on stuff. And I was absolutely caffeine to the nines. And then Tom came in with um, his producer uh, just to meet the VFX dude and saying, like, oh, we need to do some alien stuff. And I was just bouncing off the walls. I was like, you're doing aliens? It's amazing. I love that. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. Like, I sort of I signed on uh, immediately before I'd even been given the elevator pitch, really. 
Um, and then I think you and the producer had gone home after that meeting and sort of like, we've got a character who's supposed to be a yeah. bit wired and coked up. Should we, <laughs> should we put him in it? And so they called me up that afternoon and said, do you want to audition for the, for the film? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. Let's do that. And sort of. I think it was the hair. I That's had, like the first thing I remember of Jeremy is like he had just big surfy hair. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it was like, I mean, everything that he's just said then is kind of spot on and the hair was everywhere. Like it was wild. <laughs> and it just, yeah, that's the first thing I remember. And yeah, just going, yeah, yeah. this guy's enthusiastic. I, I, I'm happy I to have him I need Red Bulls and five-hour energy in my trailer yeah. every yeah. At all yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so uh, we, we did that and that was good fun. Like I did my day of shooting and had, had a blast. But it was when we got to post-production that um, like I was sort of uh, working back in visual effects and things like that. And so it was one of those ones we had to relegate to afternoons and weekends. Mm. And I just said, look, I'm, I'm so happy to do this project, but I will pay attention to whatever makes the most noise. And so I'm like, if you want this done, you just got to come and hang out. I don't care if you're reading, watching movies, um, you can be sending emails, writing, whatever it is you're doing, um, just park yourself next to me. I will do the visual effects work and chit-chat away. And we ended up spending a sort of, you know, a couple, you know, maybe a couple of months just hanging out on like Saturdays and Sundays yeah. just putting together this film. And, um, and you know, just tinkering and playing with ideas and that evolved into a whole bunch of conversations. And I moved up to Sydney to uh, work at um, a visual effects company up there. And I was up there for a few years, but in that time, I'd still like be calling up Tom going like, I'm thinking I'm working, I'm going to work on this idea. I'm thinking about doing a thing. And it would just kept the com- uh, conversation going really. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, that evolved into sort of writing and collaborations and ideas and um, that dialogue when I moved back to Adelaide uh, continued and then that evolved into actual real projects. So And yeah. then China. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I took Tom to China with me. Um, through a, no, I'll, I'll try and barrel through this really, really quickly just to contextualize. Um, uh, I had, um, been, I ended up directing on a, on a 48 hour film festival in Sydney for the company that we were working for. And, um, we did quite well at that. We won, um, uh, best director, which was really nice. But um, the uh, Australian 48-hour film festival um, is still a bit of a rinky-dink affair. Like, it's not a big thing. And that big steampunk film I was telling you about, um, uh, our producer of that 48-hour film festival, she's sort of Chinese-Australian and took that over to a Chinese film festival where we got nominated for a bunch of awards. And so I popped over there to um, just, you know, accompany the film and chat to a few folk. It sounded like a fun adventure. And someone there was like, oh, I heard you won the 48-hour film festival. Did you want to come and be the director for Team Australia in China? And <laughs> I, I think I was like 25 at the time. I was like, yeah, sure, that sounds fun. Not thinking anything of it. But um, I, lo and behold, six months later, I got a call saying, okay, you need to come to Beijing at this date. Um, you'll be meeting your team in the airport, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, uh, and when we got over there, we discovered that the 40-hour 48-hour film festival in China is a massive televised event. It's like, it's huge. You've got film crews following the film crews, like thousands and thousands of people turn out to these things. Like it's enormous. And um, so I ended up accidentally being (laughs) the director (laughs) for Team Australia. And then they subsequently invited me back like another two times. And on the last time I got to take Tom. And I think by that point, our really small scale sort of way of shooting where everyone's wearing multiple hats and everyone's sort of like comfort and uh, 
shorthand had really hit sort of peak efficiency. And we ended up belting out a film in two days that we were really, really proud of. Mm. And so we decided to take that methodology and bring it back to um, Australia where we could actually film in English because all, all those films are done in Man- Mandarin <laughs> yeah. and Cantonese and uh, of which we speak neither. Um, and, yeah, that just sort of laid, laid the foundation and I suppose a bit of confidence in what we could do in a really short space of time with the people that we had. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I guess that comes back to that that thing you were talking about, which is deadlines. Like, I mean, you, with a 48 hour, film, 48 hour film festival, you're forced to finish something in 48 right. hours. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you, you don't have time to tinker. And so you kind of then, in terms of your decision-making mind, it's just broken down to does this work? And mm-hmm. if it does, it gets in and that's the cut. And if it doesn't, it's like, all right, what's the solution to make it work? Um, right. And it sort of simplifies things a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, like like Jeremy said at the end, we were sort of really proud of it and it was in, in a language we couldn't understand. <laughs> and some of the translation was funny at best, but it was still like it was still something we we're just like, we should go do this when we get back because both mm-hmm. of us had been working essentially Jeremy was still VFXing mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. point and um, I was writing on contract for a couple of other companies so just essentially we were working for other people and we really wanted to just come back and uh, work on something that was ours and that's where that first Lucy and Dick came from so yeah that was a good a, like a fortuitous little yeah. trip to China yeah, yeah. I think is there is there like uh, I mean obviously this is a comedy um, but you'd said that you had been working on the kind of like a thriller horror thing and um, do you do you have sci-fi a pr- thriller actually I'm sorry yeah. <laughs> I stand corrected <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> um, uh, is there do you prefer one over the other or I think we like uh, what we've sat down in terms of what we want to focus on is high concept. Um, be that it, we, we love genre stuff, um, but it, that high concept needs to be grounded, you know? So Lucy and Dick was really interesting to us because, you know, it's a floating talking robot, but at its core, it's sort of a sitcom. Um, mm-hmm. but it is, it is a sitcom that we can genre hop. And that's something we explore a bit in the series, sort of things oh, like community teaser. and even, Always Sunny in Philadelphia is sort of big mm-hmm. sort of influences of ours. And um, so that was heaps of fun to play with. And the other one that we sort of released is uh, a film called The Way, which is a telekinetic road movie. Um, so kind of like Chronicle on the road uh, set in Australia. Yeah, it's, it's, and, it's a bit of a dusty western. Yeah, isn't it? And, but uh, still with elements of humour in there. Um, and I think one thing we have lent into is like we – at the core of our stuff, it, it is all pretty Australian. Um, and because I think that's in terms of voice and character, that's something we know very well. Um, and I guess we don't see too much in that high concept space. So it's always interesting for us to push. But I guess coming back to what we're, we're very, like you were saying about, I guess, platform um, agnostic. We're very <laughs> genre agnostic as well. Like whatever sort of excites us at the time, mm. but it does yeah. need to sort of have that little high concept hook to it mm-hmm. to go, yeah. Look, well, why why aren't we just making a little, I guess, kitchen sink drama sort of thing? Mm. Um, yeah. So right. I think that's, the, that's sort of the tweak we like to put on things and just go, well, you know, how do we push um, 
push that, especially in the low budget sort of indie space and mm-hmm. get as much out of a little as possible. Yeah. Yeah, we, we like, um, we're kind of drawn to really dark stuff, both in theme and in aesthetics. Even yeah. in comedy. I mean, yeah, like even in comedy, dark like the stuff. darker stuff. I mean, we're a bunch of like giant five-year-olds, but we... Uh, <laughs> I think, I think our filmmakers enjoy- are, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we definitely enjoy that. And to that point, I, I love watching and making things that, you know, it's super grounded, but there's just a little hint of mm, yeah. kind of mm, maybe mm, a supernatural mm. or a science fiction kind of thing, but it's all based in this, you know, in this really grounded world. Yeah. That yeah, to me, yeah. I love that. And the way, um, it's, you know, a telekinetic road movie, um, that that is, it, it's like, a, it's a bit more of a proper movie, really. Like it's it's got some sort of cinema to it and um, some more serious tone. And uh, I think that's where our sort of, you know, filmmaking inclinations sort of lie but I, I think i think the jank left into into comedy was a bit of a surprise for the both of us but i think we're getting a bit more comfortable in it now mm-hmm. like it's something we have a lot of fun with um so uh yeah as you say i think i think we're becoming less and less discerning about what it is we do so long as it has that interesting hook it's grounded and again it has that high concept element that we can play with because it makes the most of our capability and our skills like we're sort of playing to our strengths by doing that stuff so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also now that we have, you know, that Netflix and and Hulu and Prime are are such big parts of our lives that Mm. we are starting to see stuff from across the pond more that we normally would have had to look for and really go, oh, you know, you had to be like the underground people that were like, oh, there's this show from the UK that this and that. And now it's just like. You know, they're, they're I don't more... watch American shows. Okay, I just watch. Stuff from... <laughs> <laughs> we we watch a lot of we watch a lot of like foreign stuff yeah. um, because I I prefer the British humor and that mm-hmm. you know I, it's it's just to me and not that American shows can't be funny they can it's just I prefer that type of more dry humor you know yeah. and and mm-hmm. it, we're getting to a point now where I can say to somebody oh there's this show Fleabag and they go oh my god I love yeah. that show I'm like yeah. what yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. whereas like. A couple of years ago, yeah. would be like, "What? What are you talking about?" It's like, "Oh, it's a British show," and, yeah. you know. And you know, like one of my favorite shows ever is Wentworth, and that's a show that even now I can say to people here because when we started watching it, everyone was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" I was like, "It's like Orange Is the New Black, but good." Yeah. <laughs> it's um, like if if we were doing it right, that's what this show would be. <laughs> you know, they're like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." And now, people that would have normally never watched the show and that I mentioned it to, they're like, "I started watching that Wentworth show." I was like, and they're like, "Thank you yeah. so much." I was like, "You're welcome," because <laughs> it's the best show ever. Yeah. <laughs> so Lucy, Lucy is actually in an episode of Wentworth. Is I'm she pretty, really? I, I'm yeah, hundred yeah, percent sure it's, she's it's, in an episode of Wentworth. Yeah, uh, she's got a wee little scene, I think. I can't. We'll have to ask uh, ask her what episode it is. Yeah, but, uh, but she, um, she she's, she's absolutely in Wentworth. She had just done it, yeah. I think, as we were starting to shoot, and so she spent a good deal of time explaining to us what it meant for someone to like be led around while carrying the inside of your pocket. You know, and she was, <laughs> <laughs> so she, she she came to us with all of her uh, her new newfound prison knowledge, and uh, was yeah, pretty stoked yeah. on that. So that's <laughs> awesome. We we were just the last episode that we did. We talked about you know we kind of wanted to give it some time before we talked about it because of course we binged it in like the last season it's just like yeah. in a day. We're like, I was like I must watch this whole thing, mm-hmm. and um, you know everyone always says like oh what show would you want to be on if you could ever be on a show and I'm like Wentworth. Mm, if mm. as an actor, 
It was like you can pick one show that you can get to be a character on one show and that's it. And that's the biggest thing you're going to be on. I'd be like, I'll be on one with that. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care if I never do anything else again. (laughs) 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 Um, One thing that I I actually wanted to point out about the robot that I noticed was that I liked was the stickers. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I, I think like, you know, you may maybe someone may or may not catch it. But I was like, that's something that I would have done as a kid. If I had a robot, I would have put stickers all over it. Mm-hmm. I'd probably still do that. I have stickers all over oh, it's, <laughs> for it, our soundboards. It's one of those things. I was, I was really specific. I wasn't specific as to sort of what stickers we'd stick on there. But I remember when I was designing him, the way that we wanted to sort of contextualize um, Dick as a character was that in a world of brand new, brand new shiny iPhones, Lucy still owns her like old brick Nokia. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and the whole idea being that everyone would always turn to her and like, why don't you just buy a new one? She's like, yeah, but this one's mine. And um, so when we were designing him and sort of like wanting to age him, the point of reference I had was actually um, uh, my <laughs> my sister's childhood bookshelf um where again like um you know we'd gone back to uh, visit the parents and um there's this bookshelf that has like you know stickers all over the sides but they're faded they're Mm -hmm. they're rubbed off um and again it's something that you know an 11 year old would have done um but uh they've just never come off and so what we want i just i just wanted to in a really really shorthand kind of way along with all like the scruffs the scratches the fingerprints on his screen um really sell the idea that she has had him for a very long time and those stickers that were put on there like sort of nearly 20 years ago have Mm -hmm. never never actually come off and um and also there's like some little details there where like any sticker that is within claws reach has been like scratched away at the bottom. So like mm-hmm. the idea is that he like, you know, has tried to pick him off his face and just hadn't <laughs> budged. And so any any sticker that he can get to actually has little scuff marks on it. It's that's such a small detail, but um yeah. yeah it makes all the difference. Yeah. All the ones that are there are ones that he can't reach. So that's awesome. I, I noticed that so, right away. I was like, are those stickers? On the rollback, because I was like, okay, so she's had this for a while. And that's yeah, something yeah. that I yeah, was like, all right. He definitely feels, you know, yeah. like he's been around. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, that is 100% the, way, the, the idea, yeah. Yeah, and, and the wearing of it. But to, to that point, um, what was like the technical side of it? Like what you guys shot on and lenses and what are you using to render him in and build him in and, and all that stuff? So, yeah, that is, that's been a real process. Um, uh, so when we first kicked off the um, very first pilot episode of Lucy and Dick was shot on the Sony FS7. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yep. the first episode. And um, we had um, – so so the way Abel will just uh, – way we're able to sort of execute him is that um, I I was teaching this sort of course in visual effects and um, what we would do at the tail end of the course is just um, go out, shoot sort of a short film and roll uh, that through the course. So students had this, um, like just little bits of um, showreel work to work on. Um, And we'd done that sort of five or six times at this point. And it was um, like a pretty well-oiled machine. And um, so we rolled Lucy and Dick through that just because we had... um, uh, the skill sets available. The to first sort of, proof of concept. Yeah, the yeah. first proof of concept. Um, and uh, so we had, he was animated in Maya, all our 3D camera tracking was done through 3D Equalizer, and then he was rendered um, through uh, Houdini um, using Mantra, which is an incredibly slow way of doing it, and I would not recommend it. <laughs> um, and, but I guess you want to just talk through, like, 
now the I guess the optimal yeah, workflow. Well, so that's, what we did the season. We, we, yeah, and yeah. so the way that we managed to transition to the season season um, as, as it was, which was done completely sort of out of we made a thing. Um, so we sort of had it all in house. Um, is we again still did all our tracking and three D equalizer, our animation and Maya. Now our animation. We, we did a real mix of things. So at the beginning of the production, before we had even really shot anything, um, we had an animator come in, like an absolute gun professional animator who did weekends and afternoons with us and evenings where he did cycles. And so he did like a 400-frame animation of Dick talking neutral and then he'd do 200 frames of talking excited, talking sad. And we just Ooh. created this sort of... Because uh, there's no lip sync involved in the character, we created essentially a library or almost like a mixing yeah. desk of all the different moods of this character. And what that allowed us to do when we were turning over 50 shots a fortnight is that our sort of generalists who aren't sort of animators by trade could still pick up a shot of, you know, Dick talking to Lucy, um, grab these animation loops, pop them into uh, Maya, slide them so his hand gestures were just like punctuating on particular points in the sentences and they lined up mm-hmm. really nicely and that could roll it out. And so um, it meant that our, uh, um, our lead animators could work on very, very specifically the um, difficult shots that required that sort of very bespoke custom moment where he needed to really gesture on something or do something that we didn't expect him to do. And then... There were simply shots where the character just had to be. He just had to be sitting or had to be talking and they weren't especially difficult. Um, And so we could dip into um, all these animation cycles that were done by this incredible animator. And it meant that we had a real baseline quality of animation, irrespective of who was doing it. We wouldn't dip below a particular threshold. Mm -hmm. And then to meet our render needs, um, we shifted to Redshift. Um, so Redshift Renderer, which is a GPU-based rendering software. So it almost runs uh, to a degree a little bit like a computer game engine. So when we first were start, starting to do Dick, he was rendering out at 30 to 40 minutes a frame. And then um, with uh, Redshift, he was coming out at a minute a frame. Um, and so the it was sort of night and day, really. And mm-hmm. was, was that tech, technology not available Um, we would never have been able to execute. So we managed to Mm. meet, by by switching to Redshift, we managed to meet all of our render render needs using four gaming PCs, of which people were working on throughout the day and then sort of rendering stuff off at night, and we sort of cobbled together a wee bit of a render farm between them. Um, But, yeah, so all of our lighting came out of Houdini. Our compositing was done in Nuke. And, um, but, uh, yeah, Redshift was the game changer for us. And again, that technology was not available, only has become available quite recently and is the only reason we're able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Redshift's my next, uh, thing. I'm more of an Octane. I use Octane now, Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but Red- Redshift is, is the next one because we, uh, at my, at my day job, we've switched over to all of cinema now, uh, cause we were Maya and now yeah. we're all on cinema and, um, using Octane. Uh, but I, I want to learn Redshift for myself because yeah. I know there's, you know, it's to be baked in the cinema at some point. Soon yeah. Enough. Oh, and feel, feel free to edit out my rambling there. I know it went on for a bit. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I'm completely 100% no, interested in no. fun. Yeah, yeah. He loves this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, there was, there was, I could nerd was, out about this all day. <laughs> there was such specific demands of what we needed to execute. We essentially we needed to build a little factory line and with a very, very small team and very limited resources. Again, like we had a handful of gaming PCs. Um, 
uh, we needed to be incredibly lean about how we pulled this off. And so our lighting supervisor, Gabe, um, was amazing and really, really helped cobble together this system. And it ran beautifully for the duration of the production. So, um, yeah, I think considering that we were doing 50 shots a fortnight, we never, with a fully CG rendered character, we never had a render backlog in that entire time. Wow. And the, his, the lighting from him in, you know, yeah, I mean that sells so much of it, obviously. But the, the lighting him in the environment, you know, organically. Uh, I don't know if you guys shot plates there or if you guys just kind of used what you had and matched what you knew the lighting was in the scene. But it was uh, it fit really well. We made sure to do like a proper HDRI capture of every single environment, which is just just us banging the five D down with a wide angle lens yeah, on a yeah. tripod and getting our sort of like five stops of exposure and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, like there were some environments we didn't do it in cause we had sort of something similar already, but for the most part, we always had that, um, correct HDRI. And then, um, yeah, the whole thing was just sort of lit by two people. Uh, and they, they did wow. a beautiful job. And we also had the benefit of irrespective of what we had shot on the day, cause we were moving so quickly, um, Dick could always have that Hollywood lighting treatment. So we made sure that no matter no matter how we shot the scene, even if we'd sort of flat lit it a little bit or we didn't have time to sort of go completely glossy, Dick always had the little bit of rim light, the sort of the fill, and um, that he always would look spectacular. So uh, there's particular scenes where we would, because com- he's our focal point, we could completely correct the lighting in the scene and up, up the production quality simply by making sure that he was sort of uh, very glossily lit as opposed to truly uh, sort of lit right. to the scene. So. Yeah, you can cheat that a little bit for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That lighting I, is super important though because it's like it makes a difference between like I believe that that's there sure. yeah. and what is that doing there? <laughs> it makes sense too when you, going back to that library thing because uh, during the credits – He's just, you know, doing some random things yeah. in the corner and stuff. And I'm like, these guys really just like render out random things just for the thing. <laughs> but knowing that you kind of have a library to build off of it yeah, kind of makes yeah. more sense. No, those were, those were, and oh, here's the other thing. So we've got all those other secondary robots that we built. Um, all of those robots are built to the exact same geometry specifications as Dick. So they've also got different arms uh, and different sort of bodies. They all operate off the same rig. So every single animation cycle we had could immediately be transposed over to our other robots as well. Oh, okay. okay. And so that meant that we could dip into Dick's animation library to make them work. Mm-hmm. But it also meant that by virtue of sticking them on that same uh, rig, there was like a design logic to everything in the world as well. So um, it meant that, there was this sort of aesthetic consistency across all our bots in the same way that, you know, all phones might, while they might look different, they're still adhering to a similar kind of, you know, design logic. And so, yeah, we sort of fell ass backwards into some coherent world building <laughs> by, by, by taking the easy route to getting background characters animated. And so how do you, how do you, how did you approach, um, knowing that you're working with a fully CG character, how does that approach your, um, how do you approach filming that versus just filming, a conversation with two people ideally would be the same, but there's got to be things that you have to take into consideration. I assume to um, kind of build that out. You know, if you don't want to be sitting here rotoing for three weeks, <laughs> yeah. so we don't want to like have them in front of behind too many things. So did that kind of inform yeah. your shot selection or even storytelling? No, it absolutely would. Um, it was where there was sort of particular things where um, if we were ever framing Lucy, we would always make sure that Dick was sort of framed out of it to cut down on our sort of shots. Um, uh, but if we were ever shooting Dick, we'd always make sure that Lucy was sort of slightly dirty in frame. 
Um, so that meant that you were still sort of putting the two together in the same space, but um, uh, you were sort of like by framing Lucy very singularly, you were immediately cutting down in your shot count. Um, we had a pasta pot with some eyes stuck on, like a pet. Like, so anytime we were shooting <laughs> yeah. a plate, people were like, okay, where's the character? I'd walk in and sort of like puppeteer it around. Yeah, being like, just All block right, out the scene. Yeah, look at the pasta pot. This is where he is. And <laughs> then the beautiful thing about having a character that floats, that if Lucy's eye line is sort of deviating a little bit, we just bump the character to suit. Right. Um, sure. But uh, so we made sure that sort of any time we were shoot, sort of shooting anything, we'd, we'd sort of try and keep the camera as locked as possible for any conversations. Um, we would also um, only give ourselves a couple of challenging shots per episode. So um, uh, essentially we were allowed sort of two hero moments with each episode and then everything else had to be sort of pretty standard. Yes, yeah. you know. Because we shot two camera basically the entirety of the shoot. Um, so oh, kind of oh, okay. covered, kind of covered it almost like a sitcom um, mm-hmm. in a way, um, just because we we did have a fairly tight production schedule as well, so we had to move relatively quickly. Right. Um, and I think you know that's something that's something we do kind of on all our all our projects is two camera um, minimum, just just so we can get that coverage and move a bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and with how the I guess. A lot of the dialogue scenes between Dick and Lucy play out. You and and all being in that same location, we sort of we know we know how to light it. We know how to move around that place really quickly. Like in, in the end, it was almost like a factory line yeah. as well. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. so, they're back on the couch again, and we. But we did have a fantastic DP in um, Aaron Chupin who. I think did an amazing job at making the same couch in that same place look differently and look interesting each time. Yeah, um, I never got bored of of the couch. You know, it was like here yeah. we are again for another. You know, yeah, it's yeah. just very yeah. much part of their uh, yeah yeah their life together. This is her couch, and yeah. this is where they sort of hang out. Right. Also, also yeah. our makeup artist as well. Did oh, yeah. The amount Beck of hairstyles that Lucy has is extraordinary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Lucy goes through across the entire season so many different hairstyles to keep it fresh, and that couch has so many different lighting environments just to make sure that we're never repeating ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's a, a lot of sort of time and effort went into making that happen, and they, they all did such a good job because it would have been so easy to phone that in and just be like, oh, well, let's just do the couch setup. Yep. It's fine. We'll right. keep it as is. Let's but- do all the couch scenes this week. Yeah, one, yeah. yeah, yeah. one shot, yeah. But, so uh, yeah. working with um, Ozzy Man, I got to, like, obviously you had, you had a script, but how much did you let him play? Because I assume he's probably uh, we, a maniac. <laughs> basically, like, we give him the script and, um, but I, like, I think, I think we've gotten pretty decent at writing for his voice as well. Mm-hmm. But, one, we kind of gave him free reign. If he wants to go on a tangent, he can go on a tangent. But the thing that surprised us about Aussie Man, um, Ethan, um, he, I was going to say, sorry. Yeah, what's his Ethan, real name? Yeah. <laughs> Ethan, Ethan Morell, um, he, uh, he has a background in film and writing and so he really understands stories. So he can riff while still maintaining story beats and structure. Right. And there's there like there is and, and as you guys will probably know, there is there is riffing where it's just like, all right, that's really funny, but none of it makes sense in terms Can't of the use narrative. Any of that, yeah. But um, like Ethan is kind of perfect at that. He knows character, he knows the story, and he knows how to hit those beats while going off on some tangents. And you know, part of like 
really with Dick as a character, those tangents actually become part of that character. And mm-hmm. him drifting off and then pulling himself back is actually part of the humour of that character. So um, it kind of worked really nicely. Yeah, yeah. No, and he, he, he's again, he comes to us with real thoughtful ideas on, like, what Dick would and wouldn't do at times. And, um, yeah, like, it's, it's a character that, he, again, much like everyone else, he's not phoning in at all. Like, he's sort of come with a lot of investment and a lot of ideas as to how it would work. And, yeah, again, perfect perfect collaborator because he's very, 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 very sensitive to what we need to do and very generous with his time as well. So Yeah, that's great when you have somebody involved in a project that is, you know, feels like they have a, a stake in it, you know, or some, yeah. you know, some kind of ownership of what their their role in that is. Yeah. Not just showing up for a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> well, just because, I mean, I'm thinking like, you know, if somebody who somebody who's just going to sort of riff and go off on a tangent, um, you think of like someone like Robin Williams, right? Where you're like, oh, that's all very funny, but we can't use any of this. Like he mm-hmm, just went mm-hmm. to the other side yeah. of the ballpark. <laughs> yeah. This is completely unusable now. Um, yeah. But uh, he there was seems... otters and women in dresses and, and the tennis game. <laughs> there was I don't a know drag queen. Happening. I don't know what yeah. happened. <laughs> um, but he see, you know, I would assume because he does, you know, narrate narrate his videos, and so he has an idea of like, okay, and and you you have this time constraint, so it's almost like we yeah. don't have time for a tangent that we can't use. I guess. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. So are you guys? Um, all right. So you have the six episodes. Are you looking to? do more of them or oh, work on something else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're sitting on about 30 little kind of oh. like punched out ideas of like, but it, it, once you've got these characters established, it's almost like having a little toy box like Lucy and Dick do yep. this, Lucy and yeah. Dick do that. They're characters yes. you can put anywhere and it kind of makes it funny. Like the one we yeah, really want It's very to, like, Simpson-esque in that exactly. way where you can kind of, yeah. And, and, and we, we talked about this a few times, particularly with our supporting cast. I'm glad you used the Simpsons reference because as we're bringing in this supporting cast around it, we sort of went, well, we're kind of building our Springfield here and um, trying to have just sort of characters that can reoccur and be foils to them. Um, and something we'd, we'd love to grow as we go on. And, yeah, uh, there's there's so many ideas that we had to shelve because for the scale that we are working yeah. at were way too ambitious and um, would have been impossible to do at, at this level but would be sort of perfect to crack open yeah. in the in, in the future um so i yeah. think growing out to the longer form so kind mm-hmm. of your six by half hours um is something that we really would like to see and so you can grow i guess that ensemble cast and that recurring mm-hmm. cast a little bit um and yeah what we, we i think we're we're really proud in how we've sort of bit by bit revealed this world a bit more um but giving it that more longer form episode, so your sort of more commercial half hour, you can explore that just that little bit further. Um, and yeah, I think it would work really nicely in that format. Yeah, yeah. And again, like when we did that very first episode, um, the pilot, I remember when we were going into it and saying, I want this to feel like you have turned on the TV and you're catching the second half. Of a, of a comedy that's already in season three and it's halfway through the episode and you haven't been introduced to the characters and nothing's been explained, but you as an audience mm-hmm. member are going to just sit down, watch it, and using context clues, pick up from there. Like we, we wanted to sort of hit the ground running. And mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that really, really worked in our favour, but it also when we released that first one, because I think it got like 1.6 million views or something mm-hmm. like that. And there was, nice. and by virtue of having done that, a lot of people came back with like, well, where's the rest? 
because yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and so yeah. we spent <laughs> nearly two years trying to get the rest up. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's good to like sort of finally be building on that world, but we're very much aware of everything that we didn't show this time mm-hmm. around, and there's there's lots of lots of places that we want to go and lots of things that we want to do with it. So yeah, absolutely, would love to do more episodes. And it's awesome. it's built in that way, right? Where you can, I mean, th- this can go this can go to her meeting somebody, getting married, yeah. still having this bot, her partner yeah, being like, anything. what is up with this thing? Get rid of it. Like it's, yeah. and, and it hates them or, you know what I mean? Something like that. Like where she has this, you know, there's just so many things you can do with mm-hmm. that and you could, you know, start spinning off to other bots. And I mean, there's just yeah. so yeah. many thing, yeah. places that you can go with that. So it's, that's, that's pretty genius in that way. Like you'd never really run out of options. Yeah. And, and sort of that core idea of like, I mean, sort of being able to like the I guess the internet slash social commentary of it all it means like I mean we're kind of getting fed ideas every time we open a web browser or turn on a oh, morning show. you should have him do this that's sort of that's sort of where most of the ideas come from is something that's just been fed to us through uh like a lot of the times our phone yeah um yeah. and yeah how do we how do we make how do we have fun with that with these characters i think jump on the absurdity mm-hmm. of some of these things yeah. and also dig into the anxieties of it as well yeah. like i think nearly every episode is in some way quite anxiety ridden um and and in what she faces is something that we all face in one way shape or form and <laughs> it's sort of again that's where we sort of dug into that i don't know again the black mirrorish aspect of it is how can despite this being a comedy sci-fi how does this cut a little bit too close to home each time with yeah. something that we face yeah. like we want to make people feel just a little uncomfortable. So. Yeah. Because I think what's interesting, right, is that you would think that you'd have a bot and that it would be there to sort of improve your self-esteem and improve your life. But this robot seems just as neurotic as she is. Yeah. And so <laughs> he's really not much of a help to her you yeah. know, in a way, yeah. in a comedic way. Um, he, he, he doesn't work well for her self-esteem <laughs> most of the time. And so it's almost like this sibling relationship, um, yes, as you said, like like a codependence. But that was the first thing I thought. I was like, this is like this would be like the worst robot for low self esteem and anxiety. Because yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. would make me worse or the best. <laughs> it's I guess, yeah. Like, uh, we we also talked about the idea that there's also a degree of self sabotage for the both of them as well, where they mm-hmm. are, like, and I think what the ca- that's what the couch gags do beautifully is it illustrates how happy and comfortable they are in their little safe space, and that they both know. They're supposed to, as people grow and evolve as adults, and he as a robot is supposed to be helping her get through life, and they give it their darndest, and then when they step out into the world, they suddenly realise they don't much like this at all, and they'll both find ways to sort of make it not work so they can return back to that safe place. So it's this toxic codependency where neither (laughs) of them are growing. But the cornerstone of any good relationship. Yeah, yeah. well, they're, they're kind of both enablers to it because a few people have sort of said like, oh, you know, Dick's really not good for Lucy. I'm like, yeah, but Lucy's not good for herself. She's either. not. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it, it, it's a it's very much it's 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 a it's a two way street on this one. It's good fun to play with. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, you're going to be releasing one each week, yep. right? Okay. So um, tell us, tell everyone listening where they can find all your episodes and anything um, yeah. else that you've got so coming up. We'll have links yeah. and stuff. Yeah, there'll be links here. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so the first two are out on YouTube and Facebook um, and we'll be releasing uh, a chapter a week. So every, every our Wednesday 
afternoon, which I think will be would be your yeah Tuesday. Yeah, so your Tuesday or Wednesday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that's right. You guys are ahead of us always. We're in the future. It gets it gets yeah. really <laughs> confusing. But we'll be releasing a chapter per week um, on our YouTube and Facebook. Uh, LucyandDick.com sort of has all those links, but I guess you'll have mm-hmm. the links too, which is cool. Yep. Um, and we are doing a little Patreon, so basically where you can basically binge the entire season straight up um, as well. So uh, that's there at LucyandDick.com. Um, and we've got a whole heap of little marketing interstitials. So Jeremy was talking about Catch Time with Lucy and Dick. They're little, I guess, minute pieces that will be sort of uh, threading through the release. Um, and... Yeah, I think we'll eventually do the cinema cut as well, just because that was that, that was such a cool way to watch it. And that's D I C, not D I C K. That's not not a mistake <laughs> yes. you want to make, Lucy and Dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He is. You our, get a whole other kind of yeah. show there. Oh, no, no, it's it's, it, it's grim. Um, no, but uh, he's our he's our digital intelligence companion. But I would be lying if I said that we didn't call him Dick first and then figure out the acronym after that. Yeah, that's <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> I was, I was like, oh, wow, that works great. Oh, no, Casey. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. All right, awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being on. Oh, and, you, uh, you know, we'd love to have you on ag- again as, yeah. you, as you continue and uh, as, as Dick and Lucy continue on their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and as awesome. more projects come on your guys' plate and you're, um, you know, I'm just definitely going to be keeping an eye on you guys and seeing what you're doing because yeah. it's yeah. fantastic stuff. No, really appreciate it, guys. Oh, cheers, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for being on. That was fun. They were fun. That was fun. I kind of want to live in Australia. Although there's a lot of like. There's there's shit. Big. Bugs and shit are too big there. I can't. I can't. (laughs) It's true. I would be living in a mosquito net 24 7. Be like Bubble Boy. (laughs) Bubble Gal. (laughs) I want to visit there in armor. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But it's great to see like people that, you know, just have like a, you know, pardon the expression, but a real guerrilla kind of approach on everything, but come out with something that's so high quality. Yeah, they did really well with it. Yeah, it's crazy. As you know, we have we have rules on the show. If, if I think something's, you know, spurats, I don't I don't talk yeah, about it. Not gonna have, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to have people on that made crap. Let's talk about anything but what you made yeah. because I don't want to talk about What'd you that. have for breakfast? <laughs> yeah, so they were, they were awesome. Um, yep. So go, we're going to have all the links. Go check check out yep. Lucy and Dick DIC. Yep. No K. That's a whole Lucy other thing you'll be no watching. K. And we will not take responsibility for whatever shows up if you put the K in there. Yeah. Um, it's really funny. It's really funny. Yeah, it's really funny. It's really well done. It looks great. Um, yeah, it's it's really yeah. I'm I'm really excited to see the rest of it. I'm gonna see the rest of it. Yeah. Come on. I know, seriously, come on. <laughs> Do we get a, like an Patreon. advanced Yeah. We should Sign get up an... for their Patreon and you can watch it all now, I think. I'm gonna get a the advanced uh, screening yeah. to all this, yeah. like all the episodes. Um, so. Yes. So. I guess we'll do our shout outs because. Yeah, there's really not much else. There's really, really not much else. Much. Well, you <laughs> words. Um, you're almost done with Veronica Mars. Finally, yeah, I'm almost done. I <laughs> Good got like Lord. Four episodes left or something like that. I have to say this newer season I like better because they're like they curse, yeah, and it's not it's so bubblegum like yeah. the the original Veronica Mars well, yeah. was just way too teeny for me. Yeah, I knew it was, but I was like, yeah, let me just let me just power through this. Yeah, I uh, I didn't I don't, I don't mind that because it reminds me of you know and we talked about it already. It's you know kind of you know fun to watch that. Thing. I prefer expletives. Yeah, 
Well, now they just say cuss instead of swear, but... What? And Veronica Mars, that going gag is that, what the cuss are you doing? Uh, but they've it, actually, like, yeah, used yeah. curse words and stuff like it's that. A, it's definitely darker. Yes. Um, Which I like. Yeah. Uh, I just don't want it to lose that kind of, like, wit, you know? Is this the only season, or they're still doing more, like, after this? I don't know. Oh, I, I don't know. know. They've said that they got picked up for a fifth season or not. I just don't know. Um, yeah. So, a reality bomb comic cast, Steady Geekin', uh, not up for debate. Perry. Uh, Perry. We saw Perry today, who's just had some Shake Shack. We had some Shake Shack with Perry. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he was doing, he had to deal with all the, the clicky monsters Ugh. over there. It's the unplug things, unplug them back in. And then in. plug them back in into other holes. I don't know. Yeah. This goes here. I don't know. That yeah. fits there. That makes sense to him. To me, it just looked like a, a bunch of colorful spaghetti. Yeah. Um. So, yes. So, uh, I don't know what we have going for next week. We are down to the wire. We mm -hmm. are in lighting test mode. Yep. Storyboarding we still. We are still in storyboarding mode. Refining I, shots. Lighting tests. Still talking dealing with DPs. With wardrobe oh. and... Oh, wardrobe. Yeah. I hate, I hate wardrobe. Mm. Just so you know. Mm. Never really dealt with it before because we didn't have enough time or money to really focus on it. Yeah. But now that now I that actually we've, Now that we've to, had like four months to think about it, we've decided to do the wardrobe now. <laughs> no, I was always thinking of the wardrobe. Yeah. I had stuff that I was like, all right, I'm going to put this aside. I'm going to put this aside. But um, I just, I don't like it. Mm. I'm not a fan. Yeah. I'm not a fan of it. There's a reason why people get paid to do this. <laughs> my people. And uh, I don't want to be one of those people. Yeah. But I have to be. Such yep. is life. Yep. So, Put on um, that hat. Many hats. Yeah. So, you know, follow our journey on A Vital Sign. Follow our journey. On Instagram and on Send3 and all that. Yeah. And then also we're, we've been contemplating changing our yeah. production company name because, uh, as we mentioned, in, Let us know if you think it should be Century Productions or Go Gorilla Film or something else. Well, it can't. It it can't be Century Productions. It's already Century Productions. Or keeping it Century Productions or switching it to Go Gorilla Film. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I go back and forth. I know that we didn't copyright it. Okay, and somebody's gonna go shut up because you didn't sh you didn't copyright it. All right, so what, this is Sen3? what happened. Yeah, this yeah. is what happens when you don't do that. But as another like as a media company. When you went to go on Vimeo. Even if we right? did, they would still be allowed to do it. Of course. Yeah. I'm not saying that they broke any laws. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying that as a production company, if I go on Vimeo and if I go to use this as my company name, you go into the database and all that. I mean, it's still in there. It's just not, it's not copyrighted. but there, there were. But it's like, why the hell would I want my company name to sound anything like someone else? Like media and film, that's very close. It's not like- more of a marketing company. It doesn't matter. Marketing it's, media. It's still media. Like it's not like you make kitchen cabinetry. Yeah. It's not send three kitchens. No, but- Okay. <laughs> it's still media. And I just don't get it. Yeah. I just, I would never want to pick a name that was close to well, somebody yeah, else's well, company three, name. Like, send three have been using for over, you know, over a decade now. It's been a really, really well long time. Well over. Well you know, over. Probably closing in on two decades, almost. Maybe. I mean, at, at least so. 14 years that, you know, I've known of. Um, and it's just a made up thing, right? It doesn't really mean anything, which is why it's weird when people copy it. Maybe it does mean something and I don't know. But, you know, I think- what brings me back and forth is, you know, you have the one side where it's like, well, I've been using this name forever and mm -hmm. uh, people know, you know, the tens of people that know. <laughs> that know. All 14 people that yeah. watch our shit. Um, it's way more than that. But, you know. So 19, the, fine. Yeah. Uh, so the people that 
you know, so people know that, but, and, but go gorilla kind of encapsulates more of what we do and what we stand for and yeah. is more, if you look at it from a yeah, branding perspective, but here's, it, it here's fits us the, the conundrum better. Okay. Mm. It's not gorilla G O R I L L A. Right. There's G U E G E U. How do you spell gorilla in, as in gorilla filmmaking? And mm. then no one's going to get it right. And they're going to go, I tried to look for your stuff, but you spelled it stupid. And now I don't know how to find Yeah, Fuck it. I don't want to watch your stuff anymore. So that's just why I don't know if we should just do something else. Should it be a combination of what is your opinion? Listeners, yeah. dear listeners, should, tell us what we should a do. A combination. If you Sentry come up with, you come up with a film. good name that we actually use, we will shout you out. We might send you a little prize. You know what I mean? Um, if you Can come you up with something over the internet, <laughs> <laughs> you're a dork. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That was the first thing. Like when I saw the things, like we made a thing. Oh, that's so good. Mm. That's so good. Mm-hmm. And you'll always remember that. I'll always yeah. remember the name of their production company because it's cheeky. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, if you have a cheeky production company name and you make a dramatic drama, is that? I think it still works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That could be the only thing. I, that's the only thing I could think of that would be like maybe weird or I not. Just but other than that, to, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I just don't know what to do. Anyway. It's it's something we can't to use. We made a thing, so <laughs> we'll have them on the show and then steal their name. Yeah. Just just like an adaptation of that yes. name. Yes, we made we made stuff productions. Yeah, what are you talking about? We made things. Production. <laughs> <laughs> we made more things. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then also, can I just comment on the fact that I can talk to somebody with an Australian accent all day? Yeah, that's fun. Our accents are so stupid. I feel like when other people hear our accents, we sound dumb. I feel like we sound unintelligent. I feel like when anyone else hears Americans, they automatically think of like Texas, middle America, cornfields. And on occasion, they think of like inbreeding. Yeah. Oh, you're American. Oh, you must, you know. Love your sister. (laughs) You must have relations with barn animals. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm told that. That people overseas find our accents amusing, but to me, they're just so boring that I, I can't imagine that. Mm, I don't know. Depends on the person, I guess. Say water. Yeah. Water. Water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I'm not from Staten Island. Um, water. So, yeah. So, check out their stuff. They made things. Yep. They made so, watch thing. the things that they make. Yeah. And thank you for tuning in. Thank and you. We will be here again in this very same spot next week where other stuff will have happened in our lives that we'll feel the need to talk to you about. Yeah. So thank film you for related. joining us. Okay. And not film related. Yeah. Bye. Bye.